G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Very shortly we'll open our talkback lines, but we're giving attention today to a snapshot of what the Christian church looks like in Australia. Every five years there is a major survey undertaken by churches all over the nation. It's called the National Church Life Survey involving hundreds of thousands of churchgoers and thousands of churches and leaders across more than 20 denominations. It is an accurate insight into who's in the pews in our Australian churches. And this could be the most important National Church Life Survey ever. The information is so insightful, and the survey has become the largest longitudinal study of church life anywhere in the world. The most recent National Church Life Survey took in participants in over 2,100 local churches from late last year, 2021, to early this year, 2022. And keep in mind, so many of us were dealing with difficult issues around COVID at the time. Well, our special guest, Dr. Ruth Powell is Director of NCLS Research. She truly is the authority on church viability and community spirituality and well-being in Australia. And our absolute privilege to welcome back Dr. Ruth Powell. Ruth, welcome back to 2020. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me, Neil. I really enjoy our conversations together. It's good to be back. Ruth, uh, I don't like to remind you that you've been doing this a long, long time now, uh, since 1991. Uh, let's not uh, dwell too much on how many years that is, but it's over, <laughs> look, it's over three decades. And I sometimes remind you that I was actually at the very first presentation you gave for church leaders in Melbourne back in 1991 and uh, have reminded you of that a couple of times. But NCLS, (laughs) this research that you do, it has become super in the way that the whole world looks at churches. Well, who would have thought it? It sounds a bit exhausting just listening to you describe (laughs) it. I think, crumb, that's ridiculous. But, you know, it's been an incredible privilege. and. You don't discover you're loyal to something until time passes and you find yourself still committed. And I I would never have guessed that 30 years on when I started as a young research assistant, um, bringing what I had, I came with a lot of enthusiasm back then, um, probably not, well, I didn't have much experience. I had a bit of skills from my university training and I thought, what can I do And I thought, well, I know a little bit about research. I've just done my honours degree at Australian National um, University. And I know about the church. I've been a missionary kid, a preacher's kid, and I love the church. Who's doing church research? And that's when I first contacted the NCLS research team and was young and enthusiastic. And bless them, they hired me for that rather than experience. And here I am still. Well, if it's any compliment, uh, from what I can remember, when you made that presentation, everyone was on the edge of their seats. We were gripped by (laughs) that. Uh, Your uh, your amazing 
oratory presentation was just brilliant. But, hey, this is a long time on now, and there's a lot of National Church Life surveys that have been conducted over that 30 years. This one, however, because of the COVID in the middle of it all, uh, this one becomes Mm. particularly important, Ruth. It it really has. This is our seventh wave, which... As you mentioned, uh, look, when we did it first up, we thought it was a one-year project. That was very naive of us. Um, But when five years moved on and another five years moved on, each time we would come to the church and say, would you like us to do this again? Same time as the National Census, when we learned about our communities, we said, well, do we do the, the sister project, which is the Church Life Survey, with the goal of saying, how does the church connect with the community better? And each time they have. And they said that as we warmed up in 2019, as we went around the country and we consulted with church leaders and said, right, it's time to start thinking and warming up to our 2021 project. Will we go ahead? And they all said, yes, yes. And then, of course, with um, the, the pandemic hitting, I thought, this is it. How do you run a project like this in the middle of a pandemic? And um, it, was, it was tough days, as it was for so many groups churches, businesses, everybody, to actually try and evaluate how do you do what you feel you're supposed to be doing under such tough conditions. Yeah. And, of course, uh, reminding listeners, you're in Victoria, and Victoria had the biggest, longest lockdowns in the world. And so when you're surveying people and said, uh, you know, did you turn up for church on Sunday? Of course, the answer is going to be, no, I didn't because I'm stuck at home. Was there any way in the surveys you were able to connect with the online attitudes of people and when they couldn't go to church and be there in person, uh, they couldn't mix uh, social distancing, mask wearing, lockdowns. Uh, Some people were watching church online. Was there any way you were able to survey any of that detail, Ruth? Yes, yes. I'm actually based in New South Wales. We didn't have it quite as bad as Victoria, but my part of Sydney in New South Wales was locked down, uh, really tightly locked down for long periods of time, which was incredibly challenging. And yeah, we had to go back to those church leaders and say, do you even want to do this? Can we, we just needed that onboard commitment. And it's incredible that uh, national and regional church leaders said first, look, we get this is hard, but please go and try and listen to local churches and the people because they felt they they um, more than ever didn't know what was going on. And they said, look, it's like we've become out of touch and we can't tell. And so we pressed ahead for the sake of the church and for the sake of knowing it was not going to be like every other survey, but we were going to do our best. And so what we did was we created um, every single survey we did. We had an online option. And we laid out what was this very complicated set of, you know, instructions for churches to say, ideally, if you're, it's better to do it together. Now, you can do it together if you're online or in person. So we provided paper forms, surveys for everybody, and we provided online surveys for everybody. And we had churches changing midstream. So they, you know, they thought they'd be together and then they got locked down. So they then sent their surveys out online. Some people I know, and bless them for doing this, actually got in their cars and drove around. If they felt that people in their churches really couldn't manage online and they were not meeting, they drove around and delivered the paper surveys 
to the people in their church and then went and collected them later. Like incredible effort to try and listen to how people were going. You know, Ruth, uh, given that uh, you just recently held a church leaders webinar and Mm -hmm. uh, asking this question, how healthy are Australian churches? And I know that every listener uh, is perhaps anecdotally thinking and about what they might have heard uh, discussions even on this radio program that you know some churches have struggled to bounce back uh, from pre-covid numbers Uh, if we're talking about how healthy Australian churches are numbers are just one dimension there but if you're giving an overall view uh, are we looking healthy or let's brace ourselves are we looking unhealthy look uh, this is a typical researcher response It's a mixed picture, and I think we have to be honest about that. I would say overall, perhaps the church has fared better than expected. I think we're all expecting that every measurement of health is going to go down, and that's not happened. That's not actually the case. We have to name that certainly some parts of church health have suffered. And so when we look at numbers, we don't know the final numbers yet. We're still still getting results back from churches, would you believe? Even now they're sending sending their results in. So we haven't quite done that. But I would expect that we certainly assume there was a drop, particularly in 2020. There's been some bounce back in 2021. But I think overall, when we're just counting heads, we will see that this, has had a, this is part of an ongoing decline and that churches will be... Um, you know, even if they bounce back, that we will see a decline. All right. Decline is an important word. And when you talk decline, you're saying what we see now may be reflective of what is coming into the future. So I do want to invite listeners to join into our conversation. When you hear something like that, and you can actually be shocked by that thought, Uh, But I'll invite you to join in and we'll open our talkback lines in just a few minutes uh, on 1-800-316-316. Before we do, Ruth, and we're going to be talking and there'll be listeners from every denomination we can perhaps think of listening into our conversation Mm -hmm. today. Uh, 20 denominations. uh, Can you name us a few of those denominations that participated big time uh, in this particular latest survey? Yeah, we have the full range. So Catholic parishes took part, Anglican, Baptist, Uniting, Lutherans really engaged in a big way, um, ACC, uh, the, the mix of Pentecostals, I'll say all the, all the letters, ACC, INC, um, A2A, for those of you who know these, these um, things, C3, whole collection of Pentecostal churches. Um, who else? Uh, Churches of Christ, Salvation Army, Seventh-day Adventist. Um, I should I should keep going till I get to twenty. But <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> that gives you a flavour of both evangelical churches, Pentecostal churches, mainline churches, um, and and the Catholic churches as well. Helping you make sense of life, culture, and current events from a biblical perspective. Twenty twenty on Vision. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Our very special guest is Dr. Ruth Powell. She's Director of NCLS Research, 
We are talking about who is in the pews of our churches here in Australia. And Ruth, you said there's a mixed bag, and that means there's some good things happening, and yes, there's some not-so-good things happening. There's some things that are healthy and some things that are unhealthy, and we were were talking about attendance, and attendance has a a meaningfulness because what's happening today might be uh, it all it has a flow-on effect into the future. But we're talking a a mixed bag, um, qualities and quantities. Uh, Is this uh, this sort of thought around you know who's attending church? Is this one of the the sad stories? Yes, when it comes to um, thinking about the qualities and quantities of church health. It's, it's different ways of thinking about it. Sometimes you only think, is a church healthy, whether it's growing in numbers or not, when you can count the heads and you go, the numbers are going up or down. And we have always said that it's more important to to see that as a way of thinking about health, but to also go much further beyond and look at the qualities. But if we come to those those numbers first and just literally counting heads, um, one of the measures that we have been really careful to look at over time is not just numerical growth, but how many people are joining churches who were not part of a church previously. So we say, in the last five years, are you new to this church? And before you were at this church, did you go to church at all? And for those who are committed to to seeing people come to Christ, um, that's a in a sense, it's perhaps more important to look at that rather than even, oh, we've got some people who used to go down the road or in another town and now they're attending our church. It's nice to have new people arrive, but newcomers is is a special category where they don't have a church background and now they are joining a church community. So the hard news that we have for the Australian church is that that proportion of churches, uh, people in churches, has gone down. Probably the second hard message is that it's not just because of COVID, it's been going down for a while, which means we're not drawing in people from outside the churches in the same proportions that we used to. And that's doing this for 30 years means we do have that story now of what was it like 30 years ago, what it's like now. And it's like it's just the, it's tougher. The walls are not as permeable, if you like, of church life. Is it as simple, Ruth, as saying we are not so open to inviting someone uh, to come along to church with us because uh, this art of an invitation, somehow or other, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of intimidation factors now. A lot of Christians, uh, you know, keeping their head a little low because there's criticisms and there's people feeling offended and all sorts of things that uh, may or may not have uh, the sort of weight and, and danger that we might think. But the thought that we might not be inviting because of all of those sorts of reasons, uh, let's talk about invitations and, uh, and the way that we invite others to church. What do your findings show? Mm, yeah, look, you've named something really important there. And that's what has happened over the last few decades, which re- a reasonably affected church attenders in that I see a loss of confidence. And there's good reasons for that. You know, there's, there's things we've had to face the, the truth and the reality of the accountability that the community has held us to, to say your institutions did not protect children well, for example. We have to face that that means that the reputation of the church has been damaged. And I think that has impacted at the local level 
both with and, and many changes in society so that individuals in churches haven't have lost some confidence about perhaps their church or their own sense of confidence to invite others. And we know that inviting that personal relationship with another person is the key for them to actually engage faith and be willing to come to a church. If you say to a close friend or family member that is so that you would like them to join you in your faith community because it's important, that is the most powerful, impactful thing. And when we do surveys of the wider community, people who don't go to church, they tell us the same thing. They tell us that, and, and perhaps there's an encouragement here, while it's a tough message to hear the loss of confidence and the loss of inviting because it links to lower newcomers, um, when you go back out to the wider community and say, if a friend or family member invited you to church, would you go? The good news is that a surprisingly high proportion say, yes, I would. And they say they would because of relationship with that person. So if you have the kind of relationship, and it's, it's an encouragement to maintain relationships with people who are not part of your church community and authentic relationships. But if that's the case, then, then have a go. And I'll, I'll throw in a little ad for Christmas here, you know, um, because events like Christmas events, Christmas church services or special carol services or anything are a perfect time to say to a family member, look, I love my church. I love Jesus. I know you're not in that place at the moment, but would you come with me and join me? And they'll do it perhaps for you, even if they're not so sure. They'll do it for you more often than not. So be brave and have a go. Interesting, isn't it? And I always say it's a miracle that churches exist anywhere, but you've got to get the planets aligning and relationships here uh, within church, as you say, people will respond positively if you have a relationship with them and you invite them along to your local church. But then you've mm. got uh, sustainability there and having some confidence uh, in the church, in the leaders of the church, uh, the fact that the reputation of the church has taken a hit on different levels and uh, whether that be right or wrong. Uh, there's a lot of things that have to align to really make us confident and proud of being a part of our local church. Mm, mm, that's right. And we again, we see that loss of confidence. Um, and it's one of these mixed bag things. We know that having a vision for the future is really critical. And uh, that it's like a real, if you look for a church that has says, we know, and that's one of the changes over the last 30 years, there's many more local churches where the people say, I know there's a vision here or a sense of direction for the future. Not only do I know what it is, but I'm committed to it. I'm on board with it. You know, that our leaders are encouraging us to go somewhere. So there's been an incredible change. You can't just, you know, do church as we've always done it. Um, in, as in the past, it's like this wasn't there so much. Now there's this sense of we need to have a sense of why are we here? Why has God planted us here? And we see that, and that's actually sustained. Even through the pandemic, it's sustained and even increased that level of commitment to a vision for the future, that's really positive. But again, we go, how confident are you feeling right now? And we see that's actually eroded. So I think one of the messages, and in a sense, you don't need to do a survey to find this out, 
But one of the messages back to the church is it's a time to consolidate and to rebuild confidence because that's taken a hit. Yeah. Uh, just a few minutes out from news, let's take a call. 1-800-316-316. Let's hear from Bill in Victoria. Hi, Bill. Welcome. Oh, hello there, Neil and Ruth. Lovely to hear your conversation. Um, I sort of uh, do street chaplaincy with the homeless, that sort of area. So I'm, I'm out of the... Uh, I'm part of the uh, institutional church. However, I work outside the sphere, so I'm seeing new shoots that are that are seem to be opening up and blossoming. I mean, areas where I'm seeing this happening is homelessness around food vans, commute, you know, groups of people just interacting, supporting each other, and uh, um, helping each other on the streets. I'm seeing new shoots coming out of people being concerned about God's creation, as in terms of climate crisis issues or social justice mm. issues in terms of Aboriginal type um, like black deaths in custody, things like that. So, so I am seeing new shoots and, and trying to nurture people uh, as in terms of the body of Christ, which extends outside the church building, trying to nurture people's spirituality where they are on the ground and a lot of it's lifestyle evangelism, living the gospel and journeying with them. So I'd like your comment on that, please, Ruth. Ruth, your thought for Bill. Mm. Yes, look, I think you've named something really important here. That is that the the kinds of issues you've raised, that's homelessness, climate emergency, um, those are things that when the church speaks and acts around, and, and Indigenous issues you raised as well, didn't you? So those are things that when the community sees the church act locally, on the ground, with integrity and with authenticity, and also when they speak publicly around it, maybe white, you know, national or regional leaders again, the, ch- the community still respects that. That's where you go, you know, they, they sniff out inauthentic, you know, inauthentic behaviour. And so, but when they see the church being the hands and feet of Christ, serving and loving and standing up for those who need um, support, they respect that. And they tell us in the, in the community surveys, you know, this is what we think the church should be doing. They should be there and you should be acting. Um, they'll say, don't tell me what to do in my personal life, as we know, um, but they will, the kinds of things you've named are, are respected. And I think that there's, when you find that common ground as well. Uh, Ruth, we were talking about a mixed bag and uh, touched on one of those not-so-good elements of the mixed bag, and that is attendance. I wonder if we can move into some of the the, the good things. Uh, what's happening that's not so, uh, not so bad? What are your thoughts here? <laughs> um, all right. Let's have a look at some of the qualities of church life. So as, as I mentioned earlier, you can count heads, and that's one way of thinking about how healthy a church is or or a community is, uh, but we also want to think about the qualities. And one aspect, one dimension that we often look at is what we describe as the internal qualities. So we say, how if you want to know how healthy a church is, what they should be doing is helping people in their relationship with God and with each other. And so those two sets of relationships we have a look at as, as qualities. So when you think about relationships, uh, what we've learned from church attenders is it's a little bit mixed. 
we asked them whether they felt that their local church had helped them grow in their faith in the past 12 months. And so we looked at, you know, do you feel you're growing in your faith? Is your faith, your discipleship, your faith nurture, how's that going? And we saw a dip there. And I would put that to, to COVID. I would say because of COVID, people weren't able to meet and they felt that their local church was not, um, it wasn't as, as strong as previously. However, what we saw was that church leaders were good at maintaining their own private devotional practices. That remained strong and stable. Again, we saw a mix when we talked to them about uh, worship life. And we said, are you seeing, um, how are you feeling about whether the worship experience is inspirational? Do you feel like you're growing in your understanding? Um, is the preaching helpful to your everyday life? And that's been something we've watched grow over the last years. It took a bit of a dip, but I was really expecting that it would be tougher. So for all of those leaders who worked very hard at online services or providing support to people through, you know, in a range of ways, I think they should be encouraged. It wasn't as bad as, as, you know, perhaps they, they thought. But really, while there was a, it attenders a pretty, you know, solid. Um, so when yeah. we when we talk discipleship, and uh, you know that's a that's a big word, and it uh, for a lot of people too, discipleship's got a sort of a religiosity about it. But when it all comes mm. down, uh, you're breaking that down beautifully. You know, did you grow in your local church over the past year, and uh, how are your relationships with each other? That's a good way to break down some levels of discipleship there, which uh, put us onto a a pegging where we can look then, uh, you know, in a proactive way about how church life grows and develops. So you've got to have those things in place. And so that would be, a, as you say, a, a primary way of talking about the health of your local church, whether something of discipleship has happened. And for those who haven't rejoined their local church post-COVID, they may be disadvantaging their local church because they're not there on that Sunday. Any thoughts there about how it all works together and, you know, rubbing shoulders with one another is a wonderful thing? Yeah, look, if if, if you are someone who follows the the way of Jesus, one of the things Jesus talked about was... Um, the body of Christ and that the you know a faith community a church is like being a body where there are many parts and that you need many parts and we are built to be um, we need others we, we're not solo people you know we're built to be in relationship I think and that's if, if you know the experience of COVID has taught us anything it's how important it is to maintain relationships with others and and the epidemic of, um, you know, loneliness and isolation is worse now and a real challenge for, for all of us, for our mental health, um, to have those social supports. So when it comes to a faith journey, absolutely, we have learned that being connected with other people is a really good and important and critical factor for maintaining and strengthening your own personal faith journey. It's not something you're supposed to do alone. People can, but it's always stronger when you're with other people. And so we looked at belonging uh, as well and relationships with others. And again, we saw that while there was, you know, people recognized they'd lost something. And when we asked church attenders, what do you think your church should focus on in the next 12 months? For the first time ever, 
they said community. We need to rebuild community. They missed that community sense, those relationships with each other, and they yearned for that. They also said spiritual growth, but the, it was really interesting to see that. Um, and while they connected with each other through groups and small groups were able to hang on, um, I would say that the evidence is in yet again, what we've always known, but the evidence is yet again that to nurture your own faith journey, it's belonging is a really important part and your faith community is an important part of you sustaining a faith journey. 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to join in our conversation today, you might have a question, a comment. You might even have a critique for the sorts of things we're talking about. You might have your own impression of your own local church and whether there has been a, a bouncing back beyond COVID and some of these issues that we're talking about, the strengths and the weaknesses. 1-800-316-316. Question from a listener here, Ruth. Uh, who it's uh, it's a little bit of a perhaps a, a sideline type question, but uh, did the National Church Life Survey touch on some of the ethics uh, that uh, people might have uh, a hold tight to? Because the question comes from Terry in South Australia, who says abortion and contraception in light of the Great Commission. Does this tie in with the conversation today? Uh, let me just ask you, because was there a question or two about uh, ethics in the National Church Life Survey? Yes, we do. A, we do a tricky thing. We have a main survey, which is what I'm talking about today, which is an evaluation of who people are, whether they're, um, you know, how old they are, how educated, and just a general demographic profile of who they are, what their church background is, and their evaluation of the health of their church. That's the main survey. At the same time, we, we sneak in all these little extra questions. So if you were the seventh person in the pew, you might have got a few extra questions that the person next to you didn't have. And that way we run a whole set of what we call our sample surveys. They're like polls of church attenders. So in those extra questions, if you were one of those randomly selected people, there were all sorts of extra questions, which included some of those ethics questions you've named, but anything from... Um, things about views of worship, views about leadership, views about um, other social issues, uh, cross-cultural issues, whatever it is. So we were able to go a lot deeper um, on a range of things. Now, those are not our core businesses, if you like, um, and, but they're sitting there uh, as, as a, in our data set for researchers over the years to come back and actually um, do research projects on to say, well, what did church attenders think about issue X and Y? Yeah. And is it fair enough to say that those churches that were participants, their pastors or their priests, their leaders, actually receive quite a significant uh, detailed understanding of how church life looks in their area and how community life looks in their area? Yes, indeed. Church, those over 2,000 churches who took part are going to get or have got what's called a church life pack. And in that pack, there's a profile which has their results from this time. Individuals are anonymous. So your own view, if you were part of one of those hundreds of thousands of people that did it, your view's not visible. But the church's sort of overall profile is provided. And it's what they felt now what the results were five years ago or the last time they did the survey 
And then we also give them a benchmark to say, and this is what people in your state or your diocese or whatever, um, we give them that other benchmark. So it's an incredibly in-depth, rich report and we provide a workbook for them and a book which explains these qualities and quantities that I've been talking with you about to say this is how we evaluate church health and then you can look at your own results, how you've changed over time and look at the whole national picture as well. So we've been working very hard on that. It's very, um, you'll be able to look at it on, on your computers and download your results and um, yeah, churches will have a lot. We, what we hope is they have a conversation but it's an excuse for a conversation about where to from here. It's like a look in the mirror, um, a snapshot where they can stop and say, well, this is where we're at at the moment or this is where we were when we did this survey. Where to from here? That's the key. And we, we encourage churches to evaluate, communicate and then act. Our talkback line is open on 1-800-316-316. Let's take another call. Graham is in Tasmania. Hi, Graham. Welcome. Good morning. You know, today the ministry needs to be, if your church is a fool, the ministry needs to be talking and preaching what's going on in the world today. <clears throat> you know, people, Matthew 24, I love that, is talking about these days. We've got... Russia threatening to attack the world of atomic weapons and other countries. Uh, we are there now. Christ did say these things that these days that I'll come back and stop the destruction. Otherwise, there'll be no flesh left alive. People are whitewashing it. They're ignoring it for climate change. They're using this. And again, Paul again talks about that in Second uh, Thessalonians. I'll send a deceiving or deceive those because they believe not the truth. And uh, Matthew 24 is the truth. It's telling us what's going on in these days. And again, Second Thessalonians says the same thing. And we need to draw closer to God to realise that he is sending a message. We've got so many people using climate change. We've got... Graham, you're raising some good points here and uh, always good to make reference to passages like Matthew chapter 24 and uh, the thought of uh, the rising fear or anxiety, fear of uh, wars and rumours of wars, uh, even uh, fearfulness around uh, climate issues and such things. I wonder, Ruth, does the survey reflect anything about the attitudes of people too? as Graham is saying, the outside world and some of the fearful things that are coming upon people? Yeah, look, we do ask about things that cause um, stresses. And in fact, probably what I'd say is what people tell us about what really distresses them at the moment is it is things close to home uh, that have perhaps a deeper impact. It's about their own... Um, you know, it comes down to things like, can I feed my family? Do I feel I have shelter, uh, conflict in my family life, etc. Those are the things that I think people do carry harder, the things that are close to home. And I, I think there is a, there's certainly a place for the church to, to again, with that timelessness of, of God's message and God's sovereignty in terms of the long arc of history, um, that's certainly, you know, in place 
and I and I think that church leaders who who are calling calling their again people who follow Christ who are in faith communities calling them to what what we call intercession you know to intercede both for individuals local situations their local communities but also to have that global perspective and I think sometimes we can turn too far inwards uh, and it's an important message to say we need to be um, attending to the whole global perspective uh, as as we as as people of faith try and do their you know follow follow that faith. Yeah. Uh, Graham in Tasmania, thanks so much for your call. One eight hundred three sixteen three sixteen. Interesting, isn't it, that uh, we can be fearful and concerned about things that are global, and some of those feel like they're beyond our control. There is a place to be on our knees there in prayer. But coming back to what one of our callers before the news, Bill, began to talk about, that sort of outward focus, uh, which was really those things that are happening in communities close by, uh, involvement in chaplaincy or looking out for the homeless, because in these days of uh, rising rents and mortgages and the cost of living, homelessness might be a bigger problem in our communities than it's it's been for a long time. Thoughts about this outward focus. What does the survey show about what we are and what the potential is there for, for winning back some of that good reputation, Ruth? Yes, you're absolutely right there. Churches have the highest levels of volunteers in Australian society. And so I think that can be of great encouragement. So as people's faith uh, motivates them to go and serve others, it is an incredible gift to the Australian community. And we have seen this for, for decades. One of the things we've learnt, even in the pandemic, is that involvement in community-based groups actually was sustained, did not go down. And in fact, what a big surprise for me was to see that people in churches who have service, care, welfare, justice groups who are, again, being salt and light and yeast for those biblical you know, metaphors for people who are aware of those, but making an impact but in practical ways, that went up. So the proportion of church attenders involved in their local churches serving their communities went up. So again, I think that is, uh, you know, really encouraging uh, for the churches to say in a tough time, the churches were there on the ground in their local communities embedded. And that's, that is certainly encouraging. And while we talked earlier about the, you know, the drop in numbers coming into churches, that has certainly um is 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 an encouragement. So there is a stepping up that is happening in local churches and uh, that has to be good news given that we are on some more difficult economic times. Hey, when you've got an accurate snapshot of what's happening in your local church, in your wider community, and perhaps you've got an insight into what's happening in the other churches that are a part of your town or your city, You've got something to work with, haven't you? That's the value of this research detail. You've got an accurate snapshot, uh, which gives you an opportunity to grapple with where you might go into the future and uh, opening up to new possibilities. What sort of things can be the biggest benefit here, Ruth, of understanding what's going on for your local church? Yeah, look, I think uh, it's to get a picture of what is, 
doesn't is, is a starting point. It's a reality check. It's evidence based, and it gives you though a place to start. And that's what I was really encouraged with church leaders who came to us this time and said, "We have to do it. We may not like. We don't expect to like what we'll hear, but what's our choice?" And they actually said. If we put our head in the sand, it doesn't go away. If we don't look at what's real and what's happening, it doesn't go away. They wanted to be equipped with good, solid information. There's the what is, but then there's the what could be and the what should be. And that's where the imagination, the vision, the hope that comes and the sense that there is God wants life for life to the full. That's what Jesus said. And so as people of faith pursue and dream of life to the full for them, for their communities, that's the what could be. Uh, so I hope that those who've done the survey do find it an opportunity to just pause and see where they're at at the moment, take that, that deep breath of the reality check, and then step into a future to say, you know, we believe God is with us and we're going to go for God's vision for us and for our community. Time's running short, Ruth. I want to touch just very quickly on one of those really important dimensions, and it's young people. Maybe that's the children growing into those teenage years and young adults, and a lot of older Christian believers have got concerns about young people in church life. Uh, is there anything that you can relay so far as you know the upshot of detail that's come with the, the latest National Church Life Survey that might give us some confidence about uh, young people, the church of the future? Yeah, look, there's... Young people who are in churches are generally happy and satisfied. There aren't enough of them. And there's certainly in some denominations they are missing. What we know about young people is that they cluster together. Again, it's that relationship. They do better when they're together. And so one of the things I would uh, continue to say to churches is help young people cluster together because they will embed their faith they will continue on with faith in two ways. One is if their households are nurturing them in faith, that's really critical if their family members and household members are nurturing that faith and speaking and encouraging faith. But then they need other young people as well as the mentors and, and, and you know wise elders surrounding them. And so if you're someone that, if you're a church that only has a few young people I would look for ways that those young people can cluster elsewhere. That means maybe you have to let them go. Let them actually um, get together in bigger groups and that will help them all transition through church life and sustain faith into the future. Young period, the, the young years are critical. If they don't embed that faith in the young years, very difficult to come back to faith later. There's a big challenge there. And Ruth, you know, there's thousands of churches that have participated, but there'll be thousands of churches that haven't. Uh, some people will be listening, they don't even know whether their church participated in this latest National Church Life Survey. But I know that there'll be an awful lot of churches this time of year getting together some leadership teams and those sorts of things. Uh, perhaps it's, uh, you know, people who are part of children's ministry, youth ministry, uh, seniors ministry 
getting together to get a plan for 2023, saying, what sort of detail could I glean from the National Church Life Survey that might help me in the way we're putting together a plan for the next year? So books and subscriptions, uh, you mentioned there's packs for churches. What sort of things can people access that might be helping them this time? Well, ask your local church leader if they've, if they've got their results. They would uh, they will have summary results already and there'll be more results coming through. So ask, have we got our, can I look at our results? <laughs> that will mean that more people in the local church actually have a look and have a think about it. Hopefully leadership teams are engaging those that, that snapshot that's come through. Uh, there are webinars online. There's an e-news that you can sign up to to stay in touch, ncls.org.au. You can sign up. Uh, to an e-news and then you can be hearing the national results as they come through. Perhaps that will also go, oh, it's not just us. We're not alone. We're actually part of this whole national story um, who are journeying together and facing challenges, but also it can encourage each other for the things and the, the possibilities for the future. So we're trying to make it work locally, but your denominational people will also help you uh, make the most of your National Church Life Survey experience. And those who haven't done it, call us, sign up. We can help you do a Church Life Survey next year. Wow. Ruth Powell, just outstanding insight today. Ruth is Director of NCLS Research. We've been talking about the National Church Life Survey. The NCLS website is this ncls.org.au and uh, do subscribe, get that e-news. Check in on those national results. Uh, We are not alone in all of this. What we do as churches, we do together with the thousands and thousands of other churches right around this nation. Uh, Dr. Ruth Powell, I want to thank you so much for great insight and for sharing your thoughts and your heart with us today on 2020. Thanks for having me, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.